The following podcast may contain themes and references not suitable for young people and may also contain themes and references that might be offensive to some listeners. Be advised that no ill will has been intended in recording this episode and it has been done so purely for entertainment purposes. If you have any concerns or complaints about what is discussed in the following episode, please contact us. Listener discretion is advised. Time to frock up, put on the sequence and say guten tag from... Nowhere, because it's a movie review, although in the movie they're apparently in Edinburgh, which is silly because the UK could never win. We bring you Australia's only Eurovision podcast, Eurovision! Direct from the Eurovision capital of Australia. Victoria, British Columbia, which is in Canada, not Australia. Now, here's your host, Ben Navratova. Welcome, everyone, to this very special episode of either the Oz Network or... Eurovision, depending on what you downloaded. Maybe you searched for my name and tried to download Australian Survivor Archives and instead you got one of these two shows and thought, shit. Oh well, I might as well listen to it now because I like Ben's voice. Hi, Dad, by the way, just in case that is you. Uh, We're here for a very special crossover episode where, as you can tell, the humour doesn't work on either of the podcasts as we are covering a review of... Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga. Sorry, the Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. A brand new movie, which if you're listening to us on the Oz Network, this is the first time we have done a movie review, I think since Sonic or Birds of Prey, one of them. It's been a while. And if you're listening on Eurovision, it's the first time we've talked about Eurovision since May, when there wasn't a Eurovision to talk about. We talked about not Eurovision and then said, hey, we'll be back to do an episode on the Eurovision movie because it looks funny and it's got Will Ferrell in it and we laughed and anyway it's 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 there's a lot to talk about there's two different shows we're basically talking about the same thing so let's get excited uh my name is Ben and play ya ya ding dong oh no 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 <laughs> okay my name is Colin and play ya ya ding dong bitch <laughs> my name is Jared and the elves went too far <laughs> My name is Alex, and we know they're awful, but they are awful. I say change the channel and let's take our medicine. <laughs> That's a true story. That was the last review we got for the yeah, Oz Network as well. Exactly. Coincidentally. Alex not reading a quote from the movie, actually just reading off our Apple podcast page. Good job, Alex. Um, I will say for our Oz Network listeners, welcome to the show, Alex. Good to have you here. And for our Euros Vision uh, listeners, welcome to the show, Colin. It's good to have you here. Jared, you and I, we just are good people because we're on all our episodes. Um, this is exciting on so many levels because, A, we have a brand new movie and in our weird and crazy world right now, this is as exciting as life can get. And, B, there's a movie on Eurovision and it's not just some complete rip-off, mock, joke movie. It's kind of got the blessing of Eurovision and it ticks so many boxes when it comes to this competition that we love. So I'm very excited to talk about this. And I actually really want to start off with Colin because for our Eurovision listeners, 
this is a man who I don't know anything about his history with Eurovision. For all I know, this is the first time he's heard of the damn thing, and he's sitting here going, what the hell did I just watch? And thinking how fake it is, only for us to realise that pretty much everything in this movie is pretty accurate. Um, Colin, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of this movie? Tell me quickly about your history, about Eurovision. I mean, I, I want to know everything because you're on a podcast right now, listened to at least by three people. We make an episode once a year, essentially, for Eurovision. We cover this every single year, and now there's a movie about it, and you're a Canadian, and you've never represented... Well, Celine Dion won it. But anyway, just talk, Colin. Tell me about this. Uh, I have heard of Eurovision, even before you guys did the podcast, uh, but that is limited to hearing of it uh, and thinking it was just one of these Britain's Got Talent reality shows that started in the early 2000s, not realizing probably uh, until I was watching this movie and doing a bit of research that it's been going on for decades upon decades. Uh, I am still a little bit confused as to how exclusive this is because a lot of countries don't seem to be in Europe and seem to be part of this. <laughs> Hello, Australia. But uh, <laughs> I, I think by the time uh, by the time about an hour and 50 minutes hit in the movie, I think I had a handle on the rules. They don't really take any time to explain the rules in this movie, which – I mean, I, I guess it's great for people who are familiar with this, and I, I'm not opposed to it as somebody who's not familiar with Eurovision. It's just sort of fun to go along with it and not, you know, have every single thing laid out for you. But uh, it seems to make sense, seems to be an interesting concept. Um, <laughs> I, I do wonder how accurate this is as far as, like, the over-the-top performances, the, the <laughs> stage presence, the... <laughs> The dancing. You oh, know, you have men, never seen animals. Eurovision before, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Hamster wheels. I mean, I was thinking this is a comedy, but this is I mean, as far as the movie. <laughs> that's, that's where I was kind of wondering because the movie plays it so straight for I'd say seventy five percent of the movie, and you know I think I I somewhat enjoyed it for about seventy five percent of the movie, and then we got to the last twenty five percent where it just goes all out and all over the top and. Will Ferrell finally gets to be Will Ferrell just screaming and being a maniac. I really enjoyed it. So, you know, last 20, 30 minutes of this movie, fantastic. Enough to make me want to watch it again. And it's it's got Canada representative. If Canada's never in Eurovision, Rachel McAdams is, and she's the official winner now of 2020. I'm actually so excited that you, you did sum it up kind of what I was hoping you would, where you're like, oh... Was this real? Like, you know, kind of like it's it's crazy. There's hamsters and things like this. Like, is is this what it is? It takes itself so seriously. And it's like, boom, there you go. That's a Canadian watching Eurovision for the first time. Uh, <laughs> you're not even watching a movie. That is you watching the actual contest. Alex, you, you love Eurovision. We get you on every year, of course, to talk about this. You love movies. Um, that's, you like Richmond, I guess. That's a good thing too. Uh, I mean, what did you think of <laughs> Eurovision song? Was this a uh, an adequate taste of the competition you love every year as well as getting to see a new movie in 2020 was it a good movie for you as well i think so yeah there were certainly a lot of good moments through it that i really enjoyed um there are a couple of moments where obviously they threw to to real life eurovision contestants which was really exciting and a lot of fun to see um there were a lot of fun moments through it all that i really enjoyed um and some of the Will Ferrell stuff I was trying to figure out even afterwards. I was like, did I like that? Was that too much? I don't even know, um, which is very Will Ferrell anyway, as Colin said. So on the whole, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I feel like I only had issues with like minor details that were like incorrect from like actual Eurovision. And I'm like, yep. that could have been fixed so easily. Yep. But other than that, no, I enjoyed it. Now, Jared, we know you absolutely live Eurovision. I mean, you're basically in tears every single time we end our coverage of Eurovision uh, every year when the contest is over. Uh, we filled that void last year by doing junior Eurovision and we apologize again for having to cover that crap. Uh, but for you, uh, I think, you know, you live and breathe this thing. Was this movie enough for you to live and breathe a little bit more extra Eurovision content for 2020? It was and then some. I think just everything about it, like the little touches of references, just like small things like that I suppose if you didn't watch the contest you wouldn't necessarily get, like block voting and just references to all these little things. I love that it was Iceland as well considering they were kind of one of the favourites this year. It felt like justice that they got this whole movie centred around them. Um, It was just so good to see like Eurovision, if we're not going to get the real thing, I just want like a movie every year that's like this that follows a different country. Um, I'm all ready for a, a sequel where we follow, I don't know, Azerbaijan or San Marino. San Marino yes. for the sequel, please. Yes. Well, they, they got some coverage in this movie, which I was very excited for. So, you know, yes, we, we want to see that moving forward. It's It really seems to be the trend. And again, we don't have much to reference this on because we've had like three movies this year. Uh, that while 2019 was the year of movies that looked so good, promised so much and were generally crap. I think this year's the opposite. I think we've got movies where you're kind of not expecting much, thinking, oh, that's going to be pretty rubbish, but they've actually turned out to be quite good. Sonic is one example, and now you've got this movie, because this had the potential to really go the other direction. It's sort of like, oh, you know, how's that going to turn out? But I think for the most part, the reviews of this movie seem to be quite positive. A lot of people seem to be really enjoying this. And I think... Everything what you three have just said has kind of covered all the bases from Colin, someone who's not really familiar with Eurovision, can go into this and enjoy it and go, well, actually, that's a pretty funny movie. It's entertaining and sort of get a slight gist of what Eurovision is. And then for Jared, Alex, myself, people who watch Eurovision religiously, we know this competition. We can enjoy it for a great tribute to this competition that we enjoy. Yes, as Alex mentioned, there are definitely some things in this movie that can annoy you as a Eurovision fan going, that's not how it should be. I mean, for God's sakes, the UK are hosting Eurovision. This means they won it the year before. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I like, we're not meant to spoil things here. This is not really a super spoiler, but I actually did read somebody's theory and Jared and Alex, I'll put this with you, that they say Australia won it the year before because obviously we can't host it. We have to give it to a neutral venue Jared, do you think maybe that's more believable why Edinburgh is hosting the Eurovision Song Contest in 2020 because Australia won it the year before? Yeah, I think so. I think provided you've got more than one entrant, uh, the UK isn't going to win. I think the UK need a a situation like in this movie. They need um, everything breaking down and people getting disqualified uh, for them to get over the line. So that sounds more plausible to me. Yeah, like, you know, we talk about Iceland being the country that is the centre of this. I mean, they could have made it the UK and then we would have believed it had they been disqualified on that. Colin, for context, the UK haven't won Eurovision since like 1997 and generally they put in the worst performers every year. Not deliberately. The UK think every year, like, oh, golly gosh, we're going to be good this year. <laughs> and they're not. Um, they always suck and generally end up barely at the bottom. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite uh, funny to see them winning that. And also... 
for context too, if you didn't get what I was saying there, Colin, the winner of Eurovision gets to host it the following year. So mm-hmm. 2020 was meant to be in the Netherlands because the Netherlands won it last year and it will be next year uh, when they sort of redo it. Quickly, just sort of covering a few bases here for, for those who want to know the story in that. It is following a Icelandic couple uh, by the name of Lars and Sigrid, played by Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And basically, Lars loves Eurovision. He saw ABBA performing as a kid in 1974 when they actually did win Eurovision. Were you at least aware, Colin, that ABBA won Eurovision and that's sort of how they became famous? Uh, I was aware of that. I was aware of that within the first five minutes of this movie when they showed them <laughs> that. <laughs> so my familiarity with it. Did you know Celine Dion won Eurovision representing Switzerland in the 80s? I think I had heard that before, but I don't know why. Like, Switzerland? Does she have some Swiss background? Like, can you explain that? Uh, she's French-Canadian. They speak French in Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> best I can do. <laughs> I don't know. You're Canadian more than I am. Tell me, the Can- does Canada love Switzerland? I mean, I know I was just wondering, does this mean that literally you can just bring in a ringer from another country and maybe as long as the songwriter <laughs> is uh, from that country, well, I could represent Iceland going forward. I mean, you technically can, I think. I don't like <laughs> I because I know a lot of the other countries do it. Like, I mean, you'll be reading about the Greek entries from Cyprus or, you know, vice versa. I mean, Jared, you're you're the expert here. I mean, it's, you can kind of just do that, can't we? We could technically employ Adele to represent Australia before she represented the UK, right? Yeah, I think the rules are fairly flexible. I think Colin's hit the nail on the head. I'm pretty sure it's like a songwriter or, or somebody from your country thought it was good at some point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems to be kind of anything goes so, at this point in time. Yeah, you, you're, you, Nickelback could represent Belarus one year. Uh, Colin, if that's what you're, <laughs> if that's what you're hoping for. Uh, so yeah, they're basically they live uh, Eurovision in a variety of circumstances, and they end up representing Iceland in the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, both Will Ferrell and Rachel Adams are fantastic in this movie, and of course, how have we gone this long into this episode without mentioning the man himself, Pierce Brosnan? Oh, what a yes. what a sexy beast! Now, Colin. <laughs> Talk to me about your thoughts on the casting and kind of the performances and then talk to me about Pierce Brosnan because this, I think this, what got over the line for you to watch this movie was Pierce Brosnan being in this movie, right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Will Ferrell, I'm a fan of Will Ferrell when he's he's doing his own thing. I mean, if you look at his best movies, they tend to be the ones that he's writing, you know, like Anchorman or Step Brothers or Night at the Roxbury, Talladega Nights. And I think this is the first one he's written in a couple of years. Um, so I knew that Will Ferrell would be good. And then you add Rachel McAdams in there, who's just, you know, the pride of Canada. Um, <laughs> uh, outside of the notebook, everything she's done, fantastic. <laughs> uh, but then when you see Pierce Brosnan's in it, and Pierce Brosnan, I mean, I will literally watch him in anything. I've, I've got a, a co-worker who's also a huge Pierce Brosnan fan. It's funny because he'll sometimes bring up, oh, did you ever see this Pierce Brosnan movie? And it's one of these like straight-to-video movies that nobody has seen, but people like me and Ben. <laughs> so, and I'll get really excited. I'm like, Oh, I know that one. But it, it's it's great to see him in a big movie, I guess. One that's not certain. Not that Pierce Brosnan's career has fallen, but it, it's the same as like Sean Connery. You know, he he takes these small roles every once in a while and then he'll do you know a, a big movie and it's exciting to see him in it. Uh, so just to see Pierce Brosnan movie, that's also a comedy because he is really funny and he often doesn't get cast in comedies. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire would be one, you know, Mamma Mia, if that's a comedy, that's another, another but that's Die Another Day. There's a great <laughs> comedy, yeah. But I mean, the cast really sold this for me more than anything else. 
Uh, but Pierce Brosnan, I mean, I, I, I will say I was hoping he would have been in it a little bit more uh, in the middle section. I guess he's pretty much gone. But he has one or two scenes in here where it's like, yes, it's a comedy and he's funny. But like the scene between him and Will Ferrell where they kind of have their father son moment on the fishing boat. I'm like, it almost brought a tear to my eye. Like this man can still really act like let's let's make Pierce Bras in a bigger thing again, please. I also loved his Icelandic accent. I thought it was great. And uh, you know I... what? You know what's weird about that is I'm reading all these stories today about people criticizing his Icelandic accent. Really? And I'm like, OK. It's it's a bit cartoony, fine, but what I will say for him over even Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams is like Rachel McAdams' accent slips about 25, 30% of the time. Yes. Will Ferrell's maybe a little bit less, like Will Ferrell's a little bit more in his accent than she is. Pierce Brosnan at least has a consistent accent throughout this entire movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I watched this with Mallory, and basically at the very beginning, Mallory at one point goes, Oh, he's so attractive. And I like I think it was one of the bar scenes in Iceland, and I like you know they cut to one of the younger guys, and I'm thinking like oh what him, and then I was like no Pierce Brosnan, and I'm like yeah he is, and like what he's <laughs> that's why I'm marrying you, yeah. woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know he's he's very grey in this movie, <laughs> um, you know, but oh what a what a man. And I will also add uh, the the fourth sort of main star I should really mention Dan Stevens, uh, who also is actually really good in this movie too. I'm not overly familiar with Dan Stevens, but I, I really enjoyed his performance in this movie. He kind of plays the uh, I guess the the antagonist of this movie, the the Russian singer, uh, and also Pierce Brosnan I should mention plays the father of uh, Will Ferrell's character. Jared, uh, your thoughts on the on the casting of this movie as a Eurovision fan? Do you think Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams were the the leading two choices you could have gotten for a movie like this? I think they're excellent choices. I think the whole cast is just spot on the way they play things up uh, we've mentioned before but i love kind of the tribute appearances but i also think like the supporting cast and this is so good like all like the random iceland like selection team i think all of them like play their jobs really well the little kid who's in like their band back in iceland <laughs> i just think everything that like there's no casting in this that i'd criticize the stagehand people at eurovision are, like spot on how they should be and i just think the level of comedy just works perfectly. Like I was concerned going in of like, like how crude is this going to be? Like, is this just going to be like ridiculous over the top? Every second jokes, like exactly the same. Um, but I think they just got like the balance exactly right. And it's like what Colin said too. It's this comedy movie that has these really like moving, touching moments in it. Um, and I just think, yeah, everything's really delivered really well. I completely agree with that. I think it's got a level of heart to this movie that I wasn't expecting. And I'm kind of with you there, uh, Jared, in that I thought that it was going to be one of these just over-the-top outlandish comedies. And, and like Will Ferrell movies kind of are generally like that. Will Ferrell's definitely an actor that if you love him, you're going to love all his movies. If you don't like him, you're not really going to like his movies, kind of like an Adam Sandler type of person. But there's just an an extra layer to this movie where it's kind of, if you're not a Will Ferrell fan, I think you can kind of put it aside and still enjoy this movie. Alex, uh, your take on, on the casting of this film? No, yeah, I agree. Really enjoyable. A lot of really great moments. I do really enjoy Dan Stevens where he's like kind of a protagonist, but not a complete alternate protagonist, which is like a nice little change from probably just being a completely out there, complete jerk. So I thought that was kind of well done as well. Um, I thought Demi Lovato was a nice touch, very random. <laughs> um, I, I didn't see that stuff coming with her later in the movie, so I, I enjoyed that. It's just like, a, what, really? Um, 
he said it's very Will Ferrell. Like, I kind of almost compare this, I feel, a lot to like the Talladega Nights, especially where like yeah. you kind of have last scenes kind of mirror that a little bit, I think. So I found that really interesting. And, and no, it was just overall really enjoyable to see um, another good movie with Will Ferrell in it. Well, he does play these, you know, lovable sort of loser against odds type of people. I mean, uh, semi-pros, another one that's sort of been compared to as well, uh, Blades of Glory. Elf. Elf. Yeah, I mean, you name it, Will Ferrell's done it. But it's it's there is just something about him where even though he tends to play the same character in every single movie, like he can bring enough life to them. It's sort of this lovable man-child character that he does. And the, the thing I actually really appreciated in watching some interviews with him, it's it's not like he's just a random American actor where they've just gone, oh, he'll be funny, he knows nothing about Eurovision. Like, he's married to a Swede and he has been watching Eurovision for more than 20 years. He said that he loves Eurovision because, you know, his wife being Swede, she goes to Sweden every single year apparently for a family holiday, so he's obviously over there a fair bit. And, uh, Colin, you mentioned, I mean, he co-wrote this movie, so it's not like this is something that he's just, you know, got on top of it to essentially you know, be a star vehicle with it. And the fact too, that he sings all his songs, like, I mean, he's not exactly going to be going to Eurovision anytime soon, but he's not a bad singer either. Uh, and, and Rachel McAdams, the thing that baffles me with Rachel McAdams is there's all of a sudden seems to be this thing in the last 12 months where it's like, wow, Rachel McAdams is a great comedic actress, like game night. And now this, like, she's really good. Are people forgetting her main starring role that she got famous from, Mean Girls, was a comedy? <laughs> I mean, people yeah. are kind of baffled that she is a great comedic actress, and she is. She she really is. Colin, you and I have talked a little bit about it on the Oz Network, similar to, say, a Chris Hemsworth, where she seemed to get so many dramatic roles, and then all of a sudden when she goes to comedy, it's probably more suited to her. Obviously a proud Canadian, uh, Rachel McAdams, but... Uh, I mean, we talked about her on The Notebook. That's about all we've talked about her on the Oz Network, right? But I like Rachel McAdams. I'm actually a closet Mean Girls fan. I, I really enjoy that movie. And Game Night was a good movie too. So, Rachel McAdams, do more comedy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even before Mean Girls, I mean, she did The Hot Chick with uh, Rob Schneider. So that's right, yes. She was very grounded in comedy before she kind of fluked into drama with The Notebook and... And nothing wrong with her dramatic roles either. Uh, I mean, she got nominated for... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, she got nominated for an Oscar for Spotlight. But, I mean, it's always exciting when you get these actors. Like Chris Hemsworth, okay, it's it's good that he has found (laughs) something that he's good at because he was definitely not good at much prior to doing a bit of comedy. But just the fact that she is this Academy Award-nominated actress and she's not ashamed to not only do comedies but do something that's so ridiculous as this... She definitely has the more straight role in this movie, you know, between her and Will Ferrell. Uh, but still, it's such an over-the-top movie for her to do. You know, it, it, it's admirable when you see somebody who's willing to go out there and just make a fool of themselves. Um, we have to, I, I guess, mention one other star of this movie, which is Graham Norton. Yes. Playing Graham Norton. <laughs> which are you, which, I know you're familiar with him, but are you so familiar with it? He actually is Britain's sort of commentator for Eurovision. Did you realize that this no. actually is a role he has in real life? No. See, that's what I was wondering, because I didn't realize if he was playing Graham Norton or playing some character that was just supposed to be a commentator. Because, I, I mean, I know his, you know, his talk show and everything. I think most people know his talk show. But, uh, yeah, I had no familiarity that he had any involvement with Eurovision prior to this. But, it, like, he's he's a scene stealer, too. Yeah. And it's 
it's just him playing himself, just commentating, but it is one of the more major roles in the movie because he has to kind of push the story along. Um, with Dan Stevens, it is funny you said that you're not familiar with him because we did cover one of his movies last year. Um, are you aware of this? Uh, probably. We did a lot of movies last year, but uh, what, 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 what it, let me guess, is like Jurassic Park or something like that? Like, <laughs> No, no, no. It's, it's, it's one of those unfortunate movies that even still... I will look back on and be like, we covered that. We did the live action Beauty and the Beast. He played the Beast. Oh, oh, was that him? Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he you can was. Tell uh, why I didn't maybe recognize him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was definitely Jamie's favorite character of the movie. Um, as you said off air, you wonder why. <laughs> uh, but I, I think was it Jared or Alex? Um, somebody was saying that he's he's not really the villain, but he's kind of the villain. And I think that's one of the things that's surprising about this movie because they set it up so much like you're expecting he's going to be just this terrible person, but he's got this lovable side to him and it, he's just so ridiculous on his own. Mm. Uh, what I don't think necessarily works in this movie is they do like, a, and this has nothing to do with the way his character trained, but they do like this love triangle or I guess love square, you know, because there's another character that's involved in this as well. But I think that the fact that Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams are never set up like they're supposed to be a couple in the first place, that's the section of the movie where I was sort of like, yeah, I don't really buy this storyline. I, I, whether or not I buy it or not, I just don't care. I, I liked it a lot more when it was just about the contest and, you know, will they actually make it on there? And then later on, you know, are they going to completely fall flat on their face? And then are they going to stick around if they do fall flat on their face? But the whole love triangle, love square thing – there's issues with that just based on how it's written into the movie. Uh, but I love that everybody gets their, their, their big moment. And, you know, his performance, Dan Stevens performance it will definitely sell you. If nothing else, that will sell you on loving his character because it is so ridiculous that that's the one where I wonder, is this going too far? Even for Eurovision, you'll have, you guys will have to kind of give me the opinion no, on that. No, um, <laughs> I'll send you some links, Colin. Uh, we had the milk, made uh, Polish girls a few years ago, which you'll very much appreciate. We all do. Uh, we had the singing grannies from Russia. So, I mean, the fact that we've got this outlandish guy with lions and shirtless men is nothing to what the Russians have put in before. Uh, and as I always often bring up, one of my most favourite uh, ever competitors in the history of Eurovision, Dustin the Turkey from Ireland. Literally a puppet that was a turkey that represented Ireland. A true, actual song and competitor that actually did that. We've had we've had operatic vampires before, uh, epic sax guy in the last few years, twice for Moldova. You name it, Colin, you will see it. Uh, this is this is this is where it like it's it's such a good representation of this contest because again, if you're not familiar with Eurovision, you're gonna not understand that so much of this movie is just so true. Like you mentioned, like the staging and things like that, like. It is a big thing about Eurovision that the staging and the performance sells you on a song more than like hearing the song because they will release these songs in the months prior to the contest. You know, you know, they legitimately have, I guess, talent competitions where you will have 
people in Iceland, you know, voting for who the winner should be to go represent themselves in Eurovision. Australia have just started doing that in the last couple of years. A lot of countries will do that. So many people are aware of the songs, you know, up to six months, even longer before Eurovision starts, what we're representing. But until you see it on stage, until you see a giant hamster wheel, uh, until you see a semi-lesbian show from Greece, like you're not going to appreciate this song for what it is until you see the performing of it. So I think this movie really does hit the nail on the head. And I don't know if it was you, Jared, or Alex who sort of mentioned it. There's, there's kind of that fear that this movie was just going to be almost a mocking the Eurovision Song Contest, kind of, you know, making fun of it for what it is. But I think given that this movie has the clear blessing of Eurovision and kind of was made in conjunction with it. They filmed a lot of this at Eurovision in 2019 to kind of add the authenticity on authenticity to it. It's it kind of I don't know, Jared. I'll, I'll add that to you. Like it's sort of it, it's got that level, doesn't it? Where yeah, it kind of can make a bit of fun of it, but at the same time, it just really adds a bit of realism to this, which. Again, Alex mentioned before, there are definitely some things in this that are not real. The semifinals, there's a few little quirks there with, like, UK and Germany being involved in the semifinals. Australia didn't make the final, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so, I mean... Did I- Australia get one vote? I was looking on the board, <laughs> and I'm like, I think Australia got zero votes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the trickiness with that semifinal situation. <laughs> Without being too spoilery, that kind of wasn't the accurate depiction of how a semifinal actually works. So when they read the votes out kind of like when they cut to the representative in each country. That's generally the final. They don't do that in the semi-final, but um, that's just a slight little, you know, thing that we're going to nitpick as a Eurovision fan. Jared, I don't even remember what my question was there. Uh, maybe you remember. I don't know. Talk. <laughs> yeah, I think it was authentic. I think what helps it along is that, like you've mentioned, like we've seen similar acts to what they show uh, in the film. Like you had Belarus with like the, like, heavy metal band with uh, like prosthetic makeup like that's lordy who yeah. like won for finland like yeah they're parodying it but they're parodying things that actually happened like maybe these acts don't normally uh, win eurovision but like they're definitely in it um so i think everything was really like authentic i think dan stevens song was actually one of the more authentic pieces of that we've yep. definitely seen similar <laughs> things with seriously for, Colin, like, we're gonna send you some links shirtless. like that's like a common thing <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Alex, do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm 100% in on Belarus sending that act next year <laughs> um, and actually winning because I think I thought it was outstanding. Like seeing some of those and the way they kind of spoke about them, you even go to like the start of the party with Dan Stevens where he's like, oh, this person, you know, one Britain's Got Talent four years ago. She's quite good, but everyone hates the UK. So zero points. Yeah. And like going through, oh, they're good, but she should really ditch the backup singers. And oh, Legit. you know, they're a bit weird. They're at long odds. So it was, um, it was fun to kind of see like those references that are stuff that we'd all probably say beforehand as well. Um, that was so much fun throughout it. So I really did enjoy all those parts um, coming together. I think yeah. the only other thing that, annoyed me in terms of like the eurovision accuracy was if australia won like we picked terrible hosts yeah like if we won and we've got to be butchered for our host selection i still think more realistic than the uk actually winning um the other the other thing too sort of with the references i think alex you were the one who brought it up before and colin this would have gone completely over your head although i'm sure if you kind of think about it you'll probably guess the moment in the film where this is actually happening are the cameos from actual eurovision uh contestants not all winners just some sort of contestants over the years and it was fun sort of 
watching this moment because even Mallory, who's only sort of watched like one or two Eurovision contests uh, with me, she could even go, hey, I, I recognise that one. Like, for example, Netta, that was the one that she watched the other year when Israel won it. She's quite clearly got a cameo. Uh, Conchita Verse was always going to have a cameo in this movie, surely. Uh, like, she's, you know, arguably the most famous Eurovision contestant in the last decade or so. But, uh, you know, other people here, Lorene, Alexander Ryback, uh, even a couple of the more recent contestants, like I'm going to butcher his name, but John Lundvik, uh, we had Salvador, Sabral, of course, Portuguese winner in there as well. Uh, I mean, Jared, for you, you you would have, if I was watching this with you, I guarantee straight away you would have been going, tick, 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 that's in, then them. Alex, you would have gotten more than I did. But Jared, was that a nice little, did you know this was going to happen, that there was going to be so many cameos from actual Eurovision winners and contestants in this movie? I didn't. I think this is what helped to, like, sell it as this is not, like, a joke, like we're picking fun, but it's in, like, a nice way. I think for me, like, the, the highlight of all the cameos was Salvador Sobral because mm. he's like this person. He, the fact that he was the street busker, I'm like, surely it's not him. He would not like put his name to this. He said before, like, I hate like pop music. It's like fast food music that we like make these days. Like he's so like traditional. And the fact that he was in this film, which is parroting Eurovision, was such like a shock, um, but I think a really pleasant surprise. And they use his actual song too, like Colin, uh, and this isn't a spoiler, but sort of the scene when they arrive in Edinburgh and you sort of got that slow kind of nice sort of folky sort of song and then you've got the, you cut and you see the busker. That is the real performer who won Eurovision in 2017 for Portugal. And that's the actual song that he won Eurovision with. So... Um, I knew I recognised him from somewhere. Yeah, I knew, knew you would have. Uh, <laughs> Alex, uh, I mean, what was your take on sort of all the cameos? Oh, so much fun. Um, it was fun seeing them all come out of the works. I loved seeing Alexander Reback there with his fiddle, just really going for it um, in amongst it all. And then Netta having her big moment as well with Conchita. So it was so much fun to see them all kind of getting involved. And that's something that like Eurovision did what last year as well, was getting a lot of people to come back who'd previously been there and perform at the finale, doing bits and pieces like that. So I wouldn't be surprised in the future if we see kind of like a song along kind of concept at Eurovision, you know, during that break when they're tallying votes and all that. So I think it was a really fun way to to really appeal to a lot of Eurovision fans. Colin, when you're watching that song along part, are you guessing that these are like sort of Eurovision people, given that I'm sure if somebody's not familiar with the contest, you're thinking, who are all these random people? Who's the bearded lady? Like, are you guessing <laughs> that these are actual contestants? Well, I wouldn't have guessed the bearded lady was a real person, but... <laughs> it is. Like, I, I was going to ask, like, if you, had you heard it? That's Conchita Verse. So she won in 2014, and probably, yeah, she got global headlines for that win because it was the bearded lady wins. And her song, I'll, again, I've got a list of songs to send you, but her song that she won, Rise Like a Phoenix, sounds like a Bond theme. So Conchita Verse would actually be a great Bond theme singer. Yeah, I, I think I had read an article about, you know, uh, there's a bunch of cameos in the the Fire Saga movie of re real Eurovision contestants. And it is kind of obvious, at least when you know that going in, that there's going to be cameos, that that's the scene that it's supposed to be. But yeah, the bearded lady, um, if, if I had guessed that was a real singer, I wouldn't have guessed that the beard was real. <laughs> but uh like this just it has me more and more intrigued to join you guys next year and actually oh, watch this. Please do. Like seriously, it changes you. It changes you as a person, Colin, because like this is like Mallory was the same. Like she's going, "What is this? Like what are you talking about? This sounds ridiculous." But when you watch it, and the, the 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 fun of it is as I said, you get these songs, you listen to them. So like a week beforehand, before the semi-finals, you're listening to these songs, you've got your favorite, you're going, "Okay, I like this." 
majority of them are generally crap. They're forgettable. There are some that stand out. But then all of a sudden you see them on stage. And all of a sudden the crap song from Portugal has a freaking hamster wheel masked singer who's dancing with birds flying around them and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, you just can't fathom the amazingness of this competition. And yeah, I, Colin, make a promise to us now that you will join us for an episode next year. I'm I'm absolutely in. I'm absolutely in next year. As long as it's not junior Eurovision, because we're never covering that crap again. Um, <laughs> before we wrap it up and sort of get a rating for our uh, Oz Network uh, listeners, one thing: the soundtrack. Uh, I mean, I've been listening to it nonstop, basically. Colin, you and I did Boytown uh, not that long ago on the Oz Network, and we talked about the soundtrack for that. Uh, is this a soundtrack that you would go running for when you know we're doing our 10k run this week together? Oh, look at us being friends. Um, yeah. Are you going to no, be absolutely. listening to the Eurovision um, soundtrack? Yeah, though there's a couple songs like the the the, the two main songs that uh, the Fire Saga perform, especially. You know, I, I, I was legitimately like, you know, I want to I want to download this. And I think Jamie was even mentioning it's like, well, the songs in this are actually really catchy. Uh, but my number one is going to be Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to have that on every playlist for every run I do from now until the end of eternity. Oh, and it, it's brilliant. And I'm with you. Like I, the ones that Fire Saga actually do, the, the three, like Double Trouble, uh, Volcano Man, and even sort of the 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 ballad sort of song that just is in it as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Jared, I, I mean, this is the thing with the soundtrack. Like, legitimately, these songs all sound like Eurovision. Like, these are all songs that you would say could be entered into Eurovision. And I'm going to say it, Double Trouble would have done well at Eurovision, I think. Like, that's actually a good enough song. Iceland would have been in with a shot with winning that song. Yeah, the whole, like, movie when, like, uh, songs are being bagged out, I'm like, this is actually, like, uh, quite good like if, if there's anything wrong like maybe there's songs like too good for the contest um <laughs> no i think like definitely a pleasant surprise and the fact that fire saga had multiple songs throughout the film which i didn't think was going to be the case at like based based on the trailer like things were completely different um so i thought that was a pleasant surprise as uh, well alex uh your, your thoughts on the soundtrack are you going to be pumping this up uh you know while you're watching the tigers choke a little bit in 2020 Oh, I don't know if we're going to talk about the Tigers when we're doing that, but <laughs> I've already got a Eurovision playlist I love having when I'm going out for running, so I can definitely see myself adding a Double Trouble and and Volcano Man and maybe a Cool and with the Homies or something like that to, <laughs> to the playlist. So no, I, they were they were really well done, and like you look back to Demi Lovato's song, it seemed like a very realistic, like oh yeah, they would think that would do really well at Eurovision and everything through. I assume some of them might have been like you know failed Eurovision songs from mm. countries that didn't quite make it. So um, they've done a fantastic job. I think the San Marino song actually was their entry for next year, so they're a bit angry that they've used it and then they can't use it now next year. Uh, and Tiesto's kind of got a bit of a version of Double Trouble on the soundtrack, which it's great, so I suggest everyone listening to it. Now, for our Eurovision listeners who are going to be a bit unfamiliar with what we're about to do here, this is sort of our section of the Oz Network where we give a review, we give a rating of the movie. And Alex, you've never been with us here on the Oz Network. So essentially we've got a three-tiered rating system for what we uh, rate movies that we see. If you love a movie, you think it's great, you want to watch it all the time, you are going to buy it. If you think it's, you know, it's all right, it's in the middle, it's kind of okay, you would rent it. And if you think it's shit, you'll never watch it again. It's nil poids. It's the UK of movies. Uh, it would be bin it. You're going to get rid of it forever. Let's start with you, Colin, as Mr. Limited Knowledge of Eurovision himself. What are you doing with this movie? Are you buying, renting, or binning it? 
you we watched this over two nights we watched the first half of it um uh well which before i do that i just have to point out the one thing the immediate thing i texted you about which was ah. this movie starts in 1974 and then a flash forward to present day which would put will Ferrell and rachel mcadams characters in their 50s which i just thought was funny these, Believable these will Ferrell, but rachel mcadams i like when you said that i kind of like i kept saying to Mallory, like He's got a point. Like, I know it's yeah. the joke that Will Ferrell's in his 50s, but Rachel McAdams isn't that old. What? Yeah. Uh, that That's just Icelandic women, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> Ageless. Uh, but yeah, the, the first half of the movie, I, I, Jamie and I were both saying, I was like, yeah, that movie's okay. It's all right. And then when we picked up the second half, which was really just when they're at the contest, we were both absolutely loving it. I mean, by the end of the movie, like especially during the end credits when, you know, the, it, it, it's it's a weird thing that the, this movie is almost about national pride and stuff like that uh, for a country that most people will have no for most people probably don't even know Iceland's a country. Uh, when they get to the end credits and they show every country's flag and when they show the Canadian flag next to Rachel McAdams, like we were cheering <laughs> as if this were a real contest. Like Canada just won. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, the movie is so effective when it comes to the contest that, you know, I would buy it just for that. Even if the first hour is a little bit hit and miss. Jared, I- I'm going to guess what you're doing with this movie. Yeah, this is a uh, douce poids, um, <laughs> automatic buy. I'm so excited for the sequel um, where we feature San Marino and Valentina. Um, yeah, awesome. it's just so good. I want the Valentina-style uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie, kind of, you know, uh, full, full warts and all. Uh, Alex, uh, what are you going to do with this? Your very first rating on the Oz Network. I'm excited for this. <laughs> uh, I would probably agree. I think I'd buy Um I, I don't know if I'd watch it religiously, but I'd certainly watch it more than a couple of times, I think, um, and really kind of introduce people to Eurovision with it as well. I did find it funny that I think my girlfriend mentioned to me, she's like, oh, Pierce Brosnan's only 15 years older than Will Ferrell. Should he be insulted by this, like, <laughs> portrayal of being his father? <laughs> or um, Never. So I found that kind of amusing when you were bringing up kind of ages and things like that. But, um, no, I, I, I thought it was great. Did your girlfriend at least go, God, he's attractive? <laughs> Uh, I think she likes most of it. She's not a huge fan of Netta. So that was the moment I got the most of like, ugh, Netta's here. Uh, Other than that, she very much enjoyed it. I'm buying it, completely buying it. Um, loved it. And, uh, yeah, such a such a great time. Uh, this has been a lot of fun doing this kind of crossover episode. And I don't think I'm going to – let's let's we did our introductions at the beginning. Let's do a Eurovision style int- uh, closing at the end is what I should be saying here by uh, just not doing that closing. Just quickly, Oz Network listeners, if you love Piers Brosnan, of course, we've got the Thomas Crown Affair happening this week. Even though it's Rene Russo month, I should be tagging that. Not exactly. It's, but it's, it's a Piers Brosnan movie. We also do Double seven there's Pierce Brosnan on that as well for Euros Vision um, we're probably not going to be back till next year because uh, yeah we're not doing junior Euros Vision uh, Jared any news on Asia Vision is that happening yet any updates <laughs> oh surely November yep every November so just, it's happening just check the wiki page it'll keep you up to date <laughs> it'll happen eventually maybe North America Vision might start um, you know with the US about wiped out off the face of the map with everyone dying of coronavirus. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, they'll have to recover somehow. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Eurovision, like us on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Oz Network, you'll hear that in a second. Uh, Alex, pleasure to have you on the Oz Network for the very first time and always a pleasure to have you on Eurovision. Thank you. Thanks very much, Ben. I've very much enjoyed it. Jared, you're, you're sad whenever we end Euros Vision, but uh, again, you've got this now on Netflix all the time to watch. Um, thanks for chilling with the homies today. 
No problem. This is made up for Eurovision being cancelled. And Colin, uh, Oz Network, we're great. And I look forward to having you on Eurovision next year to talk about the real Eurovision Song Contest, where we always cheer for Australia because we didn't explain to you why we're in the contest, and I'm sure we'll try and explain it to you between now and May <laughs> next year. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm also looking forward to finding out if Ben and I are actually brother and sister because we're probably not, <laughs> just probably not. Oh, that means Pierce Brosnan could be our dad. Wow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I really would be Tasmanian. Uh, thanks, everyone, listening. And in the immortal words of Fire Saga... Play Ya Ya Ding Dong, because that's what we're doing right now. Good night. Well, that's if you're on Eurovision. If you're on the Oz Network, go listen to Eurovision to hear it. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>